Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The End Credits, the podcast where two brothers discuss their thoughts on a film of their choosing. I'm Dominic. I'm Jonathan. And today, we are talking about Ridley Scott's 1982 Blade Runner. So we just watched Blade Runner last night, but I guess when the podcast comes out, it'll be a few nights ago. And for me... I felt like it was the perfect film to watch last night. It was pretty good. Uh, I it was unexpected to be the perfect film for me, at least. Mm-hmm. I came in and like, you know, okay, it's the next film, a classic. You know, just watch it. But uh, definitely, this viewing changed my mind, probably completely on the entire film. But we'll go into that as the podcast goes along. Mm-hmm. So, Blade Runner was directed. By Ridley Scott, with the release date of June 25th, 1982. The runtime was 1 hour and 57 minutes, and the genre is science fiction. It stars Harrison Ford, Rutgerd Howard, Sean Young, and Edward James Almos. The summary for Blade Runner is the following. Deckard is forced by the police boss to continue his old job as a replicant hunter. His assignment, eliminate four escaped replicants from the colonies, who have returned to Earth. Before starting the job, Deckard goes to the Tyrell Corporation and meets Rachel, a replicant girl he falls in love with. It's actually an oversimplification, I feel, for the summary when I read it. I was like, man, I don't know if I even like that summary. It's too, I don't know. Generic? It's too generic for what the actual film wants to tell. At least I believe so. I can see what you're saying. I just feel like it's just bare bones introduction, but it doesn't really tell you a whole lot of what the actual ongoings that the film offers. I'm surprised that it says that Rachel is a replicant girl. I'm surprised that they say that. Why do you think so? Well, because we don't necessarily know that she's a replicant in the beginning. I know that we find out pretty quickly, but... It's not like it's already established by the time we meet her. That's that's probably true. Um, like if someone were to read that before they watched the film, they already know that she's a replicant. And technically, you're not supposed to know that. Well, I argue that it's it doesn't actually hurt it too much. It's it's definitely like a, a, a plot point for the story, right? But I think if you just knew that, it, it's not like... Doesn't necessarily ruin anything. Yeah, ruin the whole experience. But yeah, I guess I do. I guess I do agree with you that it is kind of weird that it, they even um, that they even say that she is a replicant off the bat. Yeah, I find that I find that surprising. No, but going back to what I was saying in the beginning, yeah, it was definitely a perfect film to watch last night. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was because all the pieces were set just right, and watching that fit perfectly. And like you said, I also had a different feeling towards the film because I've seen it, I've seen it several times already. So it's not, um, it's not like my first time watching the film, but it was weird. I don't know what it was. It just, I saw things a little bit differently and I don't know, it all came together for this one time for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, um, this is my second time, I believe you and really your second. Yeah. And. I've had people say that this is their favorite film before, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I want to say I, I kind of blew it off the first time I watched it, which was like super unfortunate, but this time around, I was like, oh man, I might have to bump it up to my favorite uh, list, like at least my top three, like oh, wow. seriously, like um, I think it does, it tells a lot, and it has like really refined music and setting Mm -hmm. uh set design it's like oh man this is uh it's hard to find like visual components that like you don't really like it it tries to do stuff that's like not common Mm -hmm. and i think it it effectively works in telling this like dystopian or not dystopian it's like a you know after a a advanced techno a technological leap for humanity mm-hmm. and just what they face or what challenges that they struggle with still. Right. And despite the fact that it does look so grim, 
it felt like it was magic on screen, like how you were saying with the music and the set design. Mm-hmm. Just those two things alone. Yeah, it just felt like I was watching magic every single moment and I was and I was just immersed in the world. I know that sounds so cliche and you probably and you probably hear that a lot about a film and people saying, Oh, I like films because I like to be immersed in a world. But I kid you not, when you watch this that's really all that this is. I'm, I, I mean, not that, not that that's a bad thing, but when you're watching, I just think that Ridley Scott has such a way of being able to convey a world. The establishing shots is really all you need to like say, oh man, this is a very interesting other world like. Yeah. And like, you know, all you see is these, uh, all you need is these city shots, you know, and seeing how Deckard goes throughout the world. And it's like, it's it's a wow factor, especially with the music, you know, helping it. It's like uh, every moment is breathtaking, I guess, to look at on camera. Yeah. Honestly, I kind of felt like the music was a thing that did it for me. I really did like the that opening, like establishing shot of the cityscape and whatnot. And then we get the eye. But the music is definitely the thing that put me in this trance almost i was so lost in a good way deep into the music and it's funny because it's almost different from that of star wars where i almost didn't even notice the score because it felt so right for the film Mm -hmm. and this one i definitely noticed the music but it was in the right way it was it never felt like it was a distraction for me it was always this moment where i felt like it worked really well but It just enhanced the moment. It just moved the story along, and it was so great. It was so mesmerizing for me, and it's hard to put into words. I'm surprised, like, again, it's kind of like with Star Wars. Even Terminator did it. All the the films so far in the sci-fi genre started out with this title sequence where they just kind of explain it with text. Yeah, and like that, they set up the story for you, yeah. And that's kind of an interesting choice for all the films that we've seen, at least for the Science Fiction Month, mm-hmm. that all of them started out that way, which is like, was that a thing back then to like do that before uh, building the world? Or I don't know. Like, I Do you see that typically today? No, not really. But it was interesting because when I saw the opening title sequence for Blade Runner, I was like, oh, man, we're back in... Uh, the Terminator, but then I remembered, wait, Blade Runner came out before the Terminator. So it's possible that Terminator was inspired by that or just science fiction films as a whole with that opening title sequence. In a way, I don't even think that it's necessarily building... Of course, I think it's like building the world, but I would probably call it more of like a setup because the world's already built and it's just kind of preparing us for what we're about to see. And... I don't know. I kind of like it. It it gives me this feeling of um, it almost establishes the right emotions immediately for me, because when I see that text from both Terminator and Blade Runner, I felt unsettled while reading, especially I feel like it's always the last few sentences that really hit you with something. And in this case, I loved how they mentioned how the Blade Runner's job when they take out a replicant is not called execution it's called retirement and they really hit you with that those last few lines and i don't know it gave me this this unease uh like as i was watching i felt this unease in me as we moved into the opening shots of the film that's actually a good thing because it's supposed to give you unease that they use the word retirement instead of mm-hmm. you know just straight out kill mm-hmm. um yeah that was it seemed that was obviously the intention. Uh, so it's good that you were able to see that like right off the bat. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I wonder why I do wonder why they use text. Like it, it does help the audience immediately, you know, get involved in this world, you know, like, like brought up to speed. Right. But like, uh, I don't know. I wonder what does it do if you take it out? You know, I guess, it, you know, it's you have to the audience will have to basically still pay attention, you know, a lot and get these context clues on like what's happening. Right. But 
I don't know. Like, I wonder, I wonder, because the film very much does that regardless. You know, like, when we do go along with Deckard and, you know, what he's doing, we very much have to, like, um, piece it all together ourselves anyway. Mm-hmm. So I I just question, you know, I guess we were given a little bit there, but it seems as if basically the rest of the film, you need to piece together stuff because it's it doesn't have, I guess, the time to do it uh, effectively in this, you know, movie space, you know, of two-hour basic right. limit. Yeah, it's more or less just a time thing. It's a time saver for that opening title sequence um, because, like you're saying, with all those other pieces that we see later on in the film, we wouldn't have that much time because we only have so much time to uh, explain the story. So it, all of that opening title sequence was just a time saver to get us caught up to speed. And still, even with with that title sequence, I felt like we were getting something out of it, especially like how I said with the emotion of this unease. It's so weird because coming back to this, it's been a while since I've seen Blade Runner. And I remember that there was a point where I was deeply connected with the film and with all of like all like this um details and information about it and it's so weird like coming back and understanding it a lot more i don't think i understood the film the first time around but i remember like when i really got into it and i was looking into it and studying it almost um i really felt like i got a good grasp on it and it's kind of weird that i never revisited the film until now yeah when i first watched it like i said before i think i just blew it off and didn't give it i guess the benefit of the doubt and uh i was totally wrong obviously it was like uh, watching it this time it was like oh man this is uh this is amazing you know like this is some uh deep concrete you know ways of thinking about humanity and if anything, you can tell that because this was based off the book uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep mm-hmm. from Philip K. Dick. Yeah. You can honestly tell that um, that pieces of the book probably were missing. You know, like this is this is a representation of a of a, a full length novel. And in the movie, you could tell that there was basically gaps in between stuff that I think the audience can fill themselves, mm-hmm. but in the same vein, it it kind of like does it some disservice where it's going to go over their heads and the book probably gave more concrete stuff in between uh, certain events uh, throughout the film. And it actually makes me really want to go and read that book to see those uh, gaps because... Mm-hmm. When I was following the story, I did feel gaps. I don't know if you you did, but uh, I definitely did. And I actually want to explore the the book to see how uh, what um, where it goes. That's an interesting point to bring up because I don't exactly know where these gaps lie. So maybe we have to go deeper into them as we go further with the with our discussion. Um, but I do know that the film is loosely based on the book, so I'm not exactly sure how much the two correlate, if at all. Um, but I, I, I like you, I am interested to see what similarities they do have. Yeah, no, uh, uh, they, they do have similarities in the fact that like the basic premise is still there with Deckard and the replicants, but they... I don't know basically past that. I do think that the 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 uh the movie told it a very solid way. Like I don't want to like um say that it wasn't. It, it's it it got the it seems like it has the basic highlights there intact and effectively reconstructed it for a movie's viewing experience. Mm-hmm. And 
I think it did it well, at least, you know, as I, as I've seen the movie, because I, I obviously haven't seen the book. Right. Or read the book. Yeah, I guess I just wanted, in some areas, that I wanted uh, at least a little bit more, maybe some context expanded upon. Because, like, uh, for example, I think just whole, the whole Decker's experience and how he views replicants could have been expanded. His relationship towards Rachel could have been expanded. The replicants and their viewpoints could have been expanded. It's all there in a solid uh package but like uh again i think there's areas for expansion and i just think that the movie probably didn't have enough time to do it uh-huh. so they basically gave us the highlights and it, and it actually surprisingly still worked i'm curious as to what where these gaps are though where you're referring to like you felt like yeah uh, and there was probably this clear-cut gap and it continued from there well for for let's just start with Deckard and his relationship towards replicants. So we know he's a Blade Runner hunting the replicants on Earth, right? Yes. And I can only assume that just throughout the movie previously that he has to change his perspective on replicants because of Rachel, right? Because mm-hmm. of their love story and, and all that. So I think it's I think it's very much a tale of basically here's this guy who is told to hunt down the so-called criminals but like um throughout his job he starts to turn and like it it starts to chip down on him that these people aren't actually all that bad Mm -hmm. and i feel as if the way we got there in the movie is probably too sudden. And I th- I do think in the book he gets there because you can see that clear uh, case. Oh, okay. But in the movie, they're just like, okay, they he's be, there already. Because, they have to be quick about yeah. it. Yeah. Especially, like, again, with uh, with the whole Rachel there, it's very much... Uh, uh, um, it's very much he fell in love immediately just with, uh, I guess, beauty. But, like... Uh, I I don't think it was actually that. I don't think that that was the actual the case because I think it's again more of a he saw her as a human being and his whole struggling to like oh is it, is she real or is she not real? Mm-hmm. There's a whole case I I suspect in the book to eventually get to where we did go in the movie, right? But it was very quick. At least I felt that was very quick in the movie. Do you feel like... So are you saying that it's possible that the book explored Deckard's relationship with just replicants in general? And we explore that a little bit more in terms of he's involved with more replicants. And as time goes on, as him being a Blade Runner, he realizes that they're they're not all that bad. And they're more human than he's realized or do you think it really it stems off of rachel but we just we are involved with rachel's story a little bit more and longer it's both it's both actually because it's not that the fact they don't have to be more replicants it's it's just the time spent with each because right yeah we started with the girl replicant i don't know what her name was uh i don't think it was brought up i don't i don't know but and then we had the other guy, the one with the, one with the snake, the yeah, snake? The, the the snake lady. Okay, so we had her first, and then we had the guy that we saw at the beginning, Leon, Leon, and then you know we eventually get to the 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 rest, right? But um, because there was like what four or five? There was four left. There was six in. Uh, there was not, six, not including Rachel. Right? No, okay. I'm not including okay. Rachel. Okay. There was six to begin with. Um. Two of them died. Four was left, okay. which was Pris, Roy, Leon, and I'm not sure if the other lady had a name. The one with the snake. Okay. So it was them four. So, yeah, so so there you go. I think with each, I think he probably had some sort of moment to like, okay, they're, they're more, they're human. 
right? Mm-hmm. And in the movie, we just saw, you know, the one after the next after the next, basically. And I suspect that wasn't the way in the book. I suspect it was a little bit longer drawn out. He had a conversation with the like the snake lady. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I suspect he got to understand where she came from, but eventually had to do what he did in the movie, you know, how to kill her uh, in that um, or retire her. And then with Leon also, I suspect he was able to see his uh, sorrow for, uh, you know, losing um, uh, another, you know, a fellow replicant. And all throughout, you know, we have Rachel too, where she didn't know she was, and he was exposed to that, you know, that her memory was like implanted, right? Mm-hmm. I think with both of those at the same time helps drive that this character, uh, he believed that they were evil to begin with, but due to taking the job, he started to be suspicious of whether or not he was doing the right thing. Right. Okay. Interesting. Now I can see what you're saying and where you're coming from of where these gaps lie. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. And by the way, the last, the last replicant's name was Zora. That's her name. Okay. Um, but I was actually going to ask you, since you were saying that it felt like it was a little bit fast and we had one after the next, I was actually going to ask if you felt like the film was slow and how did you feel like the pacing went? Mm, I don't know if it was like I can I can see how someone would say it, it's slow, but huh? I don't I don't think so. I, I think it was just the right pace at the right time. It was like a medium, never really too fast, never really too. It was like a linear line, basically. I would have to agree. I never felt like it was too slow or too fast. It felt like it was moving in a really nice pace and we didn't feel like we were dragging, which was nice. It did feel very noir-esque though. Yeah, it definitely is a noir film in some cases. Yeah, a lot of noir elements. We have a lot of shadows. We have that slow jazz kind of sound in the music. Um, We have this you know, like this questionable uh, protagonist, that being Deckard. And um, we have the femme fatale being Rachel, right. possibly. And then obviously, you know, he's a detective or whatnot. Right, know? yeah, the, the gritty detective. Yeah. With that, speaking about the gritty, I actually wanted to mention how I felt like the entire world felt that way. We had this sense of all this grittiness with, like, people crowding the streets kind of walking past each other and kind of pushing and shoving to get from point A to point B. And then Deckard's like in the mix of that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's raining all the time, it seems. And it's just all like dirty and messy. And for whatever reason, I really liked being able to watch that on the screen because it was it fit with the atmosphere and it fit with the immersion. It helped with it for me personally. It really felt like I was separated from the normal world uh if anything for me i I wanted to like understand what happened after the war and how because this is earth so i assume at this point in time uh people can go to other planets already Mm -hmm. and i always wondered like it seems as if uh this is la and it it seems as if it was a a heavy uh look like Asian Japanese influence on mm-hmm. it with this uh, technology. You saw signs like Atari and stuff right there. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder what the, how all this came to be or how Los Angeles came to be that way at that particular moment. Because like, um, obviously since a war happened, I would assume it's some, you know, nuclear war that caused, you know, destabilization towards, the Earth's weather, so maybe that's what caused it because, you know, oh. L.A. doesn't rain that often. Yeah, exactly. No, so, yeah. you know, well, what happened there? Right. So, yeah, I just question, like, how the stuff happened there, and it makes me want to, like, explore and how, how the world is, and is the Earth even a good place at this time to be at? Mm. You know, maybe it's like, oh, 
all the people are at Mars now, you know, maybe, you know, the earth is, you know, a, not a good place, you know, like, um, like what is the status of these yeah, places yeah. What's right the, now? What's the status of it? You know, maybe it's not, you know, it's frowned upon to be right. an earthling nowadays. I don't know. That, that's, <laughs> I like, that's what I, I always uh, questioned. Yeah. I like what you're saying because it makes me think of in science fiction as a whole, it's this thing of whether or not you leave it up to the audience or you give them pieces to let them understand what is going on inside the world. For me, I personally like it if we just kind of left it to our own imagination. And I think that's what's great about science fiction is that it'll give some of it to us, right? It'll set certain rules, but there are certain things that we're not always going to get the answers to. Yeah, this movie really allowed you to uh, basically create whatever in place of these spots, these empty spots that uh, you could you know, basically curry, oh, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. It allowed you to breathe um, just so you can fill in the gaps in your mind. And uh, it's technically like, did they do this in per- on purpose or was this like in the book or, you know, what happened there? Because, you know, it's, it's almost as if these gaps actually helped because they couldn't place everything in the book from the book in the movie. Mm-hmm. So they had these gaps for the audience to fill in and it actually worked in comparison. It's, it's, it's a weird thing to like even think about like, were they these intentionally done just so they could allow the audience to, you know, freely move or was this like this empty space used because again, they needed to fast forward on some areas of the book. So it's a it's a real question to ask, but it, I think it works still. Yeah, you know? completely. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I feel like it was probably a mix of both. Probably. Yeah. So then that way we can get, we can save some time, um, but also leave leave uh, some room for the people to make up their own minds as to what uh, is being said here. So overall, it works, and I think the most important thing is that it doesn't get bogged down by the details. I feel like the film doesn't get too bogged down into, although we would like to know what happened and the status of different places at this moment in time and in this world. I feel like all those questions could be answered, but we choose or the director chose to answer the questions that actually matter to the story. And I like how we don't get too bogged down by the details. And it's almost like we are supposed to think that the status of humans and the places in general were not in the best shape. I think it's I think it's evident that we're not exactly in the best shape here. I feel like everything feels like it's in, kind of in ruins. It's very trashy. Like I said, it's very gritty and messy. And I almost feel like people almost disregard one another as we we are going through like the city and everything. And it's also crowded. It feels overcrowded and almost overworked in another way. And for me, like those context clues kind of gave me this feeling of maybe that is what the status of things are right now. It's not exactly in the best of places. Yeah, there was just a war that happened too previously. Uh, no, I think it's I think it's more of a status of where Earth is rather than the whole. I guess now at that point it's universe. I wanted to say world, right? But at that point it's probably universe where, you know, people go to other planets now, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a future out there. So like you know maybe at this point. Earth is in poverty, and if, you know, you move up the social economics uh, status, you go to a different planet nowadays. Mm. Oh, okay. So I think it's probably like that in the the world of Blade Runner, where, yeah, uh, there's not much left on Earth after the, uh, I don't know, World War Three or I don't know what they call it in, right. in Blade Runner, but yeah, there's, there's just not much left. Yeah, because there's even like this blimp that has a sign where it's like off-world exploration or something. There's even this little moment in the film where they 
advertise that mm-hmm. as going off of from Earth and somewhere else on like what seems like a vacation. Right. Uh, I assume it's like a luxury to go to other places mm-hmm. uh, uh, in in Blade Runner because obviously right now you know people talk about going to Mars and you know the billions upon billions of dollars probably to even go or oh, be yeah. the first ones to be there. It's like crazy amount of, of money. So I assume it's, it's that way uh, in the movie. And it's also a fact that what we got in our intro text for Blade Runner was that they used replicants to do that uh, scary exploration that human, they didn't want to send regular humans to do. And they sent replicants sort of as slaves to uh, go and basically explore these dangerous planets right. so that, you know, a human wouldn't be there. And and also to just work at the space colonies. Right, right. And yeah, because it's not, um, I guess it's not, it's obviously not stable enough for humans to do it. So they, they, they built their own humans because technology has advanced that, that much. Right. And like, it's, um, it's kind of awful that they paint it as like a getaway vacation because it's not exactly complete yet, but they're still letting people go over there and they're advertising it in this way. And it's a little, not a little, I would say is very unethical to give that sense of advertising that it's this complete getaway trip. And when you're not seeing the work that's going on behind the scenes to make it happen. So it gives me that question and that impression on how things are in the Blade Runner universe. Yeah, I think it's just more on how corporations or I guess government have decided to control the world mm-hmm. or a universe. Again, it's it's completely different in, in their their world, right? And yeah, they use these replicants to basically get that, and then now after a rebellion from because the replicants don't want to do that anymore Mm -hmm. they just wanted to eliminate them and you know they're obviously that's where decker comes in and all the questionable theories and and in the way it's actually probably put in the movie or said in the movie is it starts off that possibly the replicants are bad get the bad guys Hmm. and obviously with using uh, Decker's viewpoint it slowly slowly goes in the other direction and I guess that's where like the big conversation of Blade Runner goes into is you know whether or not who's right or and who's wrong because who's to say really because it feels like I like how you brought up the corporations because that's another big thing that puts me also at unease in this film is the fact that the there's this looming corporation government esque or like a feeling inside of the world that feels like it's controlling everything, uh, like especially like even with this test that they have the the Voicom, and if if you it gives me the sense of uneasiness that there's something so big like the words the Tyrell Corporation just gives me mm-hmm. it puts me at ease. Um, or, uh, not at ease. And it makes me feel uncomfortable whenever like someone mentions it and it it feels so big and it's like looming over everything in the story, at least. And it even almost seems to put, uh, it almost seems to put Deckard at a weird position too, because like you said, he's almost kind of forced to question, you know, who's right and who's wrong in this in this argument because simply because the replicants rebelled against working in these space colonies as slaves essentially so what now they're now they're harmful and now they're bad people because they want to have what uh, how their uh, the replicants argument is, is they want more life and to do and to feel to think and feel like people and they're be- basically being trained to be just robots and slaves right yeah that, that's like the big uh questions you know that blade runner has is empathy and wealth power and how that affects 
the human mind and ethics and yeah. there's so many themes you know we could go on a you know a long list of themes like within the film yeah within the film and uh i don't know i think it probably boggles down to like i uh, know it's, it's still like an oversimplification even if I, I wanted to say like you know what it means to be human but no it's it's i don't uh, even think that it, it's more on like uh i think it's bigger yeah i i think for me it almost feels like it's uh it's something that could just be related to the entire world, even our own, which is scary and sad to say, is that all these problems that are being questioned and being brought out in Blade Runner, a film from 1982 feels not all that different from what we're experiencing now. I uh, I think a lot of films. Oh, yeah, of course. From, you know, it's still, it's, it's like that, like, you know that uh quote that you know history repeats itself it's very much like like do we see any sort of media give this sort of uh theme to the world and it's it's such a such a real thing just uh how we view the unknown and do we take stuff for granted and is it our fault that we forget and stuff like that and I don't know. I think it's also to a core on like, think about what you're doing. But again, it's like, is it your fault that you don't think of it's, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a like, that's a lot of questions. Loops. Yeah. You're going to go on loops forever and ever. Yeah. It's very cyclical. Yeah. It goes in circles. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. And there's um a lot of questions and answers to, to discover, you know, and, it's almost I was asking myself at one point, do I do I truly understand what is being said here? There was a, like there was a moment there was moments throughout the film where I was like, I'm not exactly sure if I'm picking up what the film is trying to get at, you know? I think the the one moment is that unicorn scene when Deckard is drifting away to sleep as he's playing uh the piano. And, um, we just see like the unicorn in his vision or as he's about to drift away to sleep. And it was such a, of course, a dreamlike, uh, state and a moment like that, but it felt, it almost felt like it was something that you've experienced before. I almost felt like it could relate to it in some weird way. And that we as people may have like these really weird, uh, dreams or visions that come to us. And what do they mean to us? And and what can we do with that, I suppose? And that's not necessarily what I'm saying with the, that moment was explaining or trying to say. It just said it was a moment where I was like, I could feel something from it. Just didn't quite know what it was. Right. I don't think it honestly really means anything at the moment it was played. It's not until like obviously later that it comes into play. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I uh... I don't, I don't think there, I think I understand what it means. I don't want to say, you know, you never felt like you were confused. At no, any no, no. I think again, watching through this. No, I don't think I, I like really was confused. It's, it's more, it's that everlasting struggle to like basically define humanity. No, not even humanity. I, I guess, I guess. Oh man! Again, I feel so, I feel so. It feels so simple just to say that, cause, uh, and maybe that's the thing too is is because we think it's a bigger deal when it really just boils down to something simple. You know, we I think we want it to mean more. Not necessarily the film. I think that I think we as people tend to think that we want things to mean more. We want things to have some kind of reason and. When they feel like, when we feel like something's bigger than something that we can explain, then we tell ourselves, we almost put ourselves in doubt of what we already know. No, I, I think it's, it's, it's more of a case where everybody has a desire in this world, no matter how small or how big, right? Everybody has one thing that they want. And we each find different ways to find, to get that whatever we want. And it it's always evolving. You know, it might not stay the same 
that we want, but we each have a goal that we're going to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we forget that other people want something too. Okay. And finding some sort of middle ground or some sort of realizing that we all are are going on this journey. None of us are really ever above or below everybody. We all ex- are experiencing life. And I guess that's just a, a hard concept to grasp. So what do you think Deckard wants? I think he just wanted to... So I think, again, it, it, it changes. At first, he just wanted to do his job, really. You know, uh, save what he thought was bad. And throughout the the movie, he starts to realize that maybe these people aren't as bad as what my job entails. So then he starts to question, you know, what am I really doing? And then to the point where, you know, he, he truly believes that, that these people are two people just like me wanting to uh, live a life. Mm. And now at, by the end of the movie, he wants to save that life. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to mention, though, you said that he, in the beginning, he just wanted to do his job, but he was very reluctant to do his job in the very beginning. It seemed like he didn't even want to go back to it. So we, what, what happened, like, I, I'm wondering, was it that he actually wanted to do his job? Because it didn't seem like it. Because it's clear that, as we see in the very beginning, it feels like... He is already distressed. Like he's already been going through these problems of the the internal battle of replicants are more than just replicants. They are people in his mind. And we can tell that he's already battling those ideas, right? Would right. you agree? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I do agree. But like, again, it, it's, it's more of the case where... Maybe maybe just doing his job wasn't the correct way to say it. It's more like he wants a normal, I guess. A a uh I think at this point he just wants out, I would say, because we get little clues as to why as to why he would want this. Because I think in the beginning when he's just eating and he's just um minding his own business and then he gets approached by Gaff the guy who comes up to him and leads him to uh, Bryant, his former boss, it seemed like he didn't want any, any parts of Bryant, right? Because this was, this was his old job, and he's clearly he's clearly burnt out, you know? Deckard's clearly burnt out. And we see little pieces and evidence of that burnout. And I, I think the thing that I, like, most think of is, you know, he's kind of trying to avoid it at first. We see his drinking habits... And I think the thing that really solidified it for me was that whole moment after he had killed Zora and he's back in his apartment and he's like shaking real bad. And not only is that a result of, you know, his, his, um, his feet, like, no, I think it's everything to do with his result of, uh, the feelings of how he feels about what he's doing. And he has like these shakes that he can't quite, get rid of because he's obviously not at a good place with all of it because he just killed somebody in his mind to other people is just a replicant. He's just going down the list. But to him, it's, it's not just like that. It's not just a clear, uh, this is good versus evil. This is him wrestling with emotions in his, in his mind. No, uh, I, I agree that I agree somewhat, but no, it's just, I guess why I disagree with that is because that's who he changes into at the end. And if I look at it like as like a story development, you can't be the same way you started out to be. So I don't believe in the beginning he felt this mental struggle yet. I think it's at the end where he's like, he, oh, I guess, I guess you could say he's conflicted at the beginning and then he eventually makes his choice at the end oh yeah definitely because he never even had a choice to begin with he clearly didn't want to come back and do this job 
he even made, he I feel like uh Deckard made that clear when he was talking with Bryant saying that like you know what do I have anything to do with it but it's it's not about the it's not about the job it's more on the viewpoints towards replicants right but wouldn't that but that relates back to the job because his job is to take out replicants and if he's conflicted about what replicants are to him then he has a conflict with his job and the no, feelings towards it but it doesn't necessarily mean he can't do cuz no, no, no. I'm separating it to the fact that, let's say, um, he didn't want to do his job because he just didn't like that line of work. And it's not about, he had no, I'm not saying this is the truth, right? I'm just going to yeah. say, hypothetically, let's sure. say he didn't feel anything with the replicants, right? And he just didn't want to do his job because he's moved on. Right. I think that's a possible scenario. Okay, and that I guess that's what I thought originally that okay, uh, he just he's he's I guess in this middle ground with replicants. He doesn't view at any you know any he's not going to go lean towards any way. It's just he doesn't want to do this job because he's not interested anymore. But I can see the scenario where he was originally already conflicted, and he just leans towards one way by the end of the movie. That is an actual possibility, and I probably do agree that that's a fair assessment to actually make. Yeah, that's definitely, that's how I interpreted his feelings. And because it just felt like he wasn't quite okay with it from the very start. And I was thinking to myself, why? And I I think that it's a mix of how he feels about replicants. And also he's just plain scared too. I think there's, there's just plain fear as well. And, but like, is the fear in just because he's going after them or is the fear in, uh, he's not much different than them. And I think it might mix into both and everything. And that's what's great about this film is because it leaves it to the imagination of the viewer. You get to answer those questions because it's not ever really answered. Right. And for someone, if you're a person who really wants all those answers in a film and you want everything answered and it's this nice clean package blade runner is definitely not that and it's probably not for you if you're the kind of person who wants those kind of stories i think it it tells a or it's possible for it to tell a clean cut story is just uh yeah like you said it just leaves a lot of openness so that people can come up with their own interpretations of the stuff like you know just how you and me were talking right, right now we both interpreted how Deckard started completely different. Mm -hmm. And I don't think either one are technically wrong. It's, yeah, no. It, it's possible. It's, it's a possible, it's a possibility that either both are right. Yeah. And that's kind of crazy to even say that is a reality. It, it's crazy. Right. And with, with these um, ideas in mind, there's a pretty popular question that always gets talked about when Blade Runner is mentioned. And that being, so we go throughout the film and we see all these things, right? And um, the big question is, is Deckard a replicant? I actually, now watching the film, I don't like the question. I don't like, it's kind of weird to say like, you know, you don't like, you know. I'll tell you why I don't like this question. Yeah, okay. It's because it doesn't actually matter. I think... I think they're. I think you miss the point if you're asked the question in reality, because because it's more about it's more about this is that moment is a realization moment that he is not different from them, and he eventually realizes that he's not he's replicants and humans, or it doesn't really matter about replicants and humans. You can place those are just symbols, right? Right, exactly. It's it's more of people are people. Right. And that's his realization moment at the end. Uh -huh. And it doesn't matter whether or not he was this person or this person. It's just he realized. And that's what matters. Yeah, I I agree with that because it's weird as we see. What's interesting is that we see with the um, that test, that Voicom test, is the fact that isn't it strange how it feels like the replicants give off more of a reaction than actual people do. 
Because if you notice, like with the questions that are being asked to them, mm-hmm. it's usually in regards to it's it's personal stuff, right? Like we saw with Leon, it was things with like you know his his mother, uh, things about an animal. It was a lot. A lot of the questions were like based around an animal or like people, people that you care about and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the replicants were, we, you know, if we go off of uh, their symbols of replicants versus people, sure. Um, it, it feels like a thing where the humans have less empathy, whereas the replicants actually have more. And it's a strange idea because you would think that the people have more of that empathy and we don't really see all that much empathy from actual people. I think we call a lot of it comes from the replicant side. But anyway, if we do away with the symbols, because ultimately they don't actually matter, at least that's what you think in this case. Um, I, I agree. I feel like the question of whether or not Deckard is a replicant, he can be a replicant or he, he probably isn't, but ultimately it doesn't really matter because he had the realization, he felt what he felt, and that's what matters to him. I think the the reason why people feel like he is a replicant is due to the whole unicorn dream and the fact that Gaff, who is the one who creates all of the uh, the origami throughout the film, that when Deckard and Rachel are about to make their escape, there's that unicorn origami just lying down on the floor. And the whole idea is, how did Gaff know that he had any kind of significance with the unicorn if um you know obviously he's not in his dream so more than likely those dreams were implanted memories that of which rachel also has meaning deckard is most likely also a replicant again uh, i'm gonna keep saying it It does i don't, don't even i think if you're asking the question you're not you're not uh you're not looking at it correctly, in my opinion. It's 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 not about. I understand all those those symbolisms, and they were technically there to invoke that idea. But again, it, it's it's not literal. It's it's supposed to mean it's it's is this realization that you and me are not much different, even though you know we might think it, society might think it, some other thing might think that there's differences mm-hmm. you know the fact that we can connect that's it you know right. that's all that's all it's there and i think if you do focus on you know whether that was i don't it, i don't know I, I think you're missing a point there. yeah yeah i know i know what you're saying but it's if we go back to the conversation we were having earlier though if it's the idea of um where this film has so much ambiguity and it has all these questions that we can answer left and right or all these questions that are just there left and right. Is it necessarily wrong how you were mentioning earlier that if a person, you know, feels this way or feels that way and brings up this or brings up that, are they, are they actually wrong and can we blame them for it? Yeah. For this one, I want to say you're wrong. (laughs) That's funny. Like, as if a crow closed outside, I'm going to say you're wrong. There's only one meaning towards this one, but uh, I'll fight you on this. <laughs> yeah, so you know, because I, I think that ultimately that's, and I think that's why Blade Runner is so popular with people is because that it has all these questions that are left so open-ended for people to answer. And there is no right and wrong. And maybe that's the great thing about science fiction too, is that it leaves so much to the imagination as long as it you know, gives you the opportunity to, to do so. And I feel like whether or not people do focus on the fact that, oh, is Deckard a replicant? I think it ends up leading to the question of, but does it actually matter? Because I think, I think in turn it does. It's just that. No. Why? Well, no, what I'm saying is, is that if someone asks that question, someone's ultimately going to say, well, does it really matter? And if, even if they didn't, That doesn't also mean that that's the only thing they focused on because they still could pick up on the idea or the ideas of the meaning behind the messages or what the film was trying to say. But who says that they can't talk about the fact that is Decker a replicant or not? I I, like you, you can, you can argue about it, you know, all day or whatnot. Right. But I think it, again, it comes to down where it's it's 
that answer doesn't actually change anything. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And it wasn't supposed to either because it doesn't, it shouldn't sway on how you viewpoint, I guess, the story of, you know, everyone's similar in some way. Mm-hmm. And I again, if what what good comes out of it if it leans either way, you know? Mm-hmm. Does that, I think that change, it shouldn't change the way you you see the ultimate ending goal because again, it wasn't about, it's not about that. It doesn't change how, for example, Roy, that's his name, right? Yeah. Uh, how he, I think the biggest scene in the whole movie isn't actually his uh, monologue. It isn't, in my opinion. His uh, The biggest scene is him catching Deckard and pulling him up. Oh, yeah. That's such a moment. That is the biggest scene in this movie. The fact yeah. that, you know, he Deckard killed all of his friends. Yeah. And he pulled him up. That was, you know, like, oh. He, it was incredible. I, I completely agree. It was jaw-dropping the first time I saw it. And it was even better. For whatever reason, it was even better last night. Right. <laughs> like, again, uh, it's the fact that he knew... And he just wanted somebody else to understand that viewpoint. Yeah. And again, it doesn't have to be replicants or humans. Because imagine if, if it was flopped, right? It, going back to like the Terminator, right? The machines are killing the humans. Uh-huh. The humans just wanted to live. That's 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 it. But you know, some somebody was saying no, and you know why? Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. There there there's literally no reason. Mm-hmm. literally and i guess just that's the sad fact that that's a reality in our real world mm. and you know it's oh you know you can't even explain it yeah no i know what you're saying um with the with the ending though with the whole the unicorn being right there and deckard's about to make his escape and whatnot i I feel like I really liked the entirety of this movie. There was nothing that I felt like I wish this was different. There was no point that I told myself I wish this was a little I wish this moment was different. The only moment that I felt that way, actually two moments. The first being and we can talk about this a little bit if you want. The first one being the uh the moment when Deckard and Rachel have uh, their their moment together at Deckard's um, apartment. Oh, okay. And then the second being the ending, how we had Gaff. We we heard the quote again that Gaff had said before or after he had thrown uh, Deckard's gun back to him, and he said that like, oh, it's too bad she, she you know, that one quote that it's too yeah, bad she, she won't, won't live. Yeah. And. I really didn't like how we had that at the end. That was one that I really definitely didn't like. I just want to talk about that briefly. I just didn't like how it was reinforced. So, so the original time or the second second time? time. Oh, okay. I thought it was unnecessary. I wish we just were left with Deckard looking at the origami and then you know doing what he did and like just kind of shook his head because he like realized what the consequences could be of his actions and then. Uh, he left and I wish we just left it in that and not having the quotes in the background like lingering in his head I thought that was I, I didn't think that was necessary no uh, I I agree with you actually I agree with you both accounts that uh, that uh, yeah it probably was not necessary it's more like uh, you know I think at this point the audience understood because there was again a lot of these gaps in between that people could fill in, mm-hmm. and I assume that at the end too, you know, people will just fill in the the, the details. Yeah, and then also the scene with uh, Deckard and Rachel. Yeah, I, I understand without like going too too far into it that uh, it's uh, just made me feel yeah uncomfortable. uncomfortable yeah. But honestly, I think that was the point. It just that I think it was more about. The fact that he knew that Rachel couldn't, and no, it was more about Rachel knew that she couldn't feel the way he was feeling. 
and she didn't want to and uh, she didn't want to she didn't want to do that to him which is weird because i'm not sure if she actually had emotion tied to the fact that she didn't want to do that to him or that she simply knew that she couldn't really reciprocate you know um yeah i don't know it's it's uh it's uh all these things are complex <laughs> right overall it was a difficult scene it was a difficult scene and uh i'm not a i think yeah i'm not exactly sure where it lies with me but i know that it did make me feel uncomfortable yeah i agree um no but yeah o- overall for me it was it was a really great film and for whatever reason watching it last night was even better and i don't know why yeah i don't know why either um it's this whole film has changed from the first time I've seen it again, going back to originally when I first saw this, I think I just blew it off and I can't believe I did. You know, it's so, it's so, uh, it has so much meaning and I got to bump it up to my least top three now. So wow. I have to say, please watch this film. If you yeah. haven't watched this film, I know there's different versions of this film, but watch this film somehow. And yeah. Please do so. I actually remember when you, not necessarily, I don't know if I would call it discredit, but you did kind of just brush it off. I don't remember. I don't remember if I was the person who showed you Blade Runner, if you watched it somewhere no, else. No, you, you showed me it. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I remember I was the one who showed it to you. And I remember you weren't too impressed with it. And I liked it quite a bit back then. And that was, I think that was before, during the moments when I got heavily into it. And it's weird to see that now, for whatever reason, it's put a different, you have a different perspective on it, but I think that's great. And for me, even after watching it again, I even had a different perspective on it for, um, I guess maybe just this time I really had a good grasp on it all. And after all of the times that I had done a ton of research into it and discovering little things here and there and like production stuff, but just in terms of its messages and its themes. And I don't know. I I think for whatever reason, this viewing just felt completely new though. Even with all of those things, it still felt completely new, which was great. It was awesome. Um, I'm just not exactly sure where where it came from, but it's definitely one that everyone should see. And especially if you like science fiction. This is one that, like, just for the music alone, I, there's so many good things so about much, this so film. So much, things. But the music, God, the music is so good. If, if you don't like anything else, you have to like the music at the very least. Like, my top like my top three tracks from, from the music, the love theme, incredible. The love theme is so, so good. It's got, like, this really nice, sweet, jazzy sound to it. Uh, the end titles theme, that's really great. And uh, Tales of the Future. Tales of the Future is like laced throughout the entire film. You hear mm-hmm. it again and again. It comes back every now and then. And it's so good. It just sets the tone for the entire film. Really, Scott and all the people he worked with in this film really just know how to set up the world. They know how to set it up. They know how to bring you into it and keep you there and tell the story. He did the same thing in Alien, which is incredible. And in... Uh, it makes me want to watch some other Ridley Scott films, but Blade Runner does it perfectly. Yeah, oh, I can't say uh, enough good stuff about Blade Runner. It's like tears in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it's so, it's so. Uh, I think I think uh, Howard explores societal issues and human thought processes, and explains that in a scientific or a science fiction world and how in some ways you know we could somehow end up in right mm-hmm. oh yeah it's it's like um and it, the fact that it's made in 82 with great looking uh everything yeah everything, everything effects everything. yeah all of it it's ahead of its time by yeah, a long shot definitely Go watch this film, everyone, if you haven't seen it already. And there we have it. Ridley Scott's 1982 science fiction film, Blade Runner. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. 
and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of The End Credits. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The End Credits Podcast and over on Twitter at The End Credits. If you're watching the video version, make sure to subscribe to The End Credits YouTube channel. That's it. Thank you and goodbye. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. (laughs) Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time like tears.